eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. In honor of the Mets' huge regular season game against the Atlanta Braves, we present to you an instant reaction edition of Rico Bronia. The New York Mets opened up a three-game series with the Atlanta Braves, and about 95 seconds ago, Edwin Diaz finished destroying the heart of the order of the Atlanta Braves. He struck out Matt Olson. Bing, bing, boom, see you later. He struck out Austin Riley. Bing, bing, boom, see you later. And then he made that horrendous human being, Marcelo Zuna, look bad by striking him out on three pitches. And the Mets put an exclamation point on what was a much-needed, much-needed Game 1 victory against the Atlanta Braves. I couldn't have been alone and not exactly brimming with confidence going into this series. Uh, I feared the worst. I feared the worst not because of some kind of Wilpon curse over the New York Mets. I feared the worst because the Atlanta Braves have played like the best team in baseball for over a month. I feared the worst because this is a lineup, and you saw the starting lineup put out on the field tonight, that did not have Starling Marte, that did not have Jeff McNeil. It was a starting lineup that four through nine left a lot to be desired. But Max Scherzer reminded us why he's here. The Mets were able to collect a couple of big hits. Not a lot, not a lot, but it was just enough. And the bullpen did an outstanding job recording those last six outs. I looked at this game, game one, and I said this on the air to Craig, and I really believed it. I said it on the last Rico as well, that if they didn't win game one, we were probably looking at a sweep. <laughs> that If they didn't win the opener of this series with the $43 million man on the mound, that this could be a very, very ugly week. Now, as I pointed out to you, Pete, and I think you agreed, as bad as being swept would have been, it wouldn't have ended the season. And I acknowledge that. Just like if the Mets happen to sweep the Atlanta Braves, it ain't going to end the National League East. But for our own mental sake, we needed to leave this series in first place. And by winning game one of this three-game series, no matter what happens the rest of the way over the course of the next two games, we know that the New York Mets will leave this series as a first-place team. Uh, that is all I needed tonight. 
that I mean, you couldn't ask for anything more for the series again. Like if, if they lose the next two games, no big deal. Again, you nailed it. It's important. It's important to walk away having the edge, and that's what we'll have. Damn right. Now I want to mention what this reminded me of, and before everyone shuts their podcast equipment off, because I'm going to mention the Nets. Just hear me out on this. When <laughs> when the Nets acquired Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, they really only had one amazing moment. And that was that first-round series against the Raptors. But in game one of that series, Paul Pierce hit kind of like a back-breaking jump shot. And when he hit that back-breaking jump shot in Toronto, Paul Pierce screamed as loudly as he could, this is why I'm here. And it was the best thing Paul Pierce ever said as a net. The rest of his career, whatever. I mean, basically, they won a round, they lost to Miami, and he was gone. But the most positive memory I have of Paul Pierce is him screaming at the top of his lungs, this is why I'm here after he had a big shot. Now, I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this. This is why Max Scherzer is here. Now, hopefully, the Max Scherzer tenure with the New York Mets goes far better than the brief moment we had with Paul Pierce, but it was a great line by Paul. This is why I'm here. This is why they brought me in. And this tonight on a Monday night in Atlanta is why Max Scherzer is here for that big game, for that big moment against a tremendous lineup. Look, the Atlanta Braves, it's funny, the Braves and the Mets score the same amount of runs per game, which is kind of odd. They just get there very differently. The Atlanta Braves hit a ton of home runs. They strike out a million times. The New York Mets do not hit a ton of home runs. They don't strike out nearly as much. But this is still a high-powered Brave offense, especially when you look at Acuna and Swanson and Olsen and Riley and Ozuna and Travis Darnot and this kid Michael Harris, who's been mostly hitting ninth, but today he was hitting eighth. And so this is not an easy walk in the park. You know, No offense to the Miami Marlins or the Cincinnati Reds. It ain't that lineup. It's a different lineup. And right from the get-go, Max Scherzer was in control. First batter of the game, rips one, but it's right at Brandon Nimmo. And then Scherzer goes to work. He strikes out Dansby Swanson. He strikes out Matt Olson. And the funniest part about Max's domination over the first six innings is that the only guy who could get on base against him was Robinson Cano, which we all feared. I mean, let's be honest. It was not irrational as a Met fan to see Robbie Cano batting ninth and say, "Uh uh-oh, something bad's going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean we think Robinson Cano has a lot left. It doesn't mean we think the Mets made a mistake in DFAing Robinson Cano. It just means it's baseball. Crazy crap happens all the time. And when Robbie Cano comes up after Max Scherzer retires the first date and he pokes a base hit by Luis Guillerme, we're all saying the same thing. You got to be effing kidding me. And I feared every time when Robbie got the base hit in the third and then he got a base hit in the eighth inning, my fear was... Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to make us pay. That was the biggest concern. You got Robbie Cano batting ninth. He's got pretty good protection behind him. He's got the top of the brave order. But when Robbie Cano pokes that single in the third inning, I'm laughing and I'm crying all at once. But to Max Scherzer's credit, didn't matter. Struck out Acuna to end the third. One, two, three, fourth. One, two, three, fifth. One, two, three, sixth. I think we're all thinking the same thing. Can Max go all nine? Can Max finish the job? Now, realistically, second start off the injured list, uh, knowing the way baseball is today, knowing Max's age, there was never a shot he was going to go all nine innings. And you figured there would be a moment where he would bear it, where, where he would get tired, where he would show maybe the fact that he hasn't pitched a lot 
over the last month and a half. And that did happen in the seventh inning when he gave up the bomb to Austin Riley and the double pump to Marcelo Zuna on an 0-2 pitch. But to Max Scherzer's credit, this is why he's here. To bear down and find a way to strike out Eddie Rosario and then let out all that emotion that I think we all did all around the country as Met fans. Max is screaming. We're screaming. All he needed to do as he walked off that mound was say, this is why I am here. And obviously that was it for Max. I think we all agreed at, what was he at, 93, 94 pitches? But really showing some wear and tear in that seventh inning, he was done. And then it was about how the hell did they get the final six outs of this game? And I think we all need to give credit to Adam Adovino because Adam Adovino blew a game the other day. That's fresh in our memory. He gave up the game winner to the Marlins about a week and a half ago, that game-winning home run to the, the backup catcher, Nick Fortes, whatever the hell his name is. But outside of that, Adam Adovino's been perfect. If you go back to Memorial Day weekend against the Philadelphia Phillies when he blew the Sunday game and then the Mets won anyway. Adam Adovino has made 16 appearances. He's thrown, I think it's 18 innings. He has given up two runs. He has held his opponents scoreless in 16 or 14 of his last 16 outings. And so I'm not saying this is going to last. I'm not saying I'm going to trust Adam Adovino with my life come October, but in this moment, throughout June, throughout July, Adam Adovino has stepped up and has proven to be, after Edwin Diaz, the most reliable Met reliever. I said that on the air to Craig today, and he thought I was nuts. I mean, it's not nuts. It's the truth. Who do you trust more, Adam Adovino or Seth Lugo? Ain't that difficult? Who do you trust more, Adam Adovino or Drew Smith? Lately, it ain't that difficult. And to Adovino's credit, after he gives up a hit to, guess who, Robbie Cano, don't you know? And he gives up that double to Acuna. He was staying in this game. Buck had no choice. What was Buck going to do? He wasn't going to ask Edwin Diaz for a four-out save when he was pitching three days in a row. I was just glad Edwin Diaz was available. Thank God he was. We talked about this the other day on the Rico. Because he didn't throw that many pitches in the Sunday game and didn't even throw that many pitches in the Saturday game, it opened up the possibility that Buck Showalter would allow Diaz to pitch back-to-back days for the first time all season long. And I think considering the opponent, considering who was coming up in the order, he had no freaking choice. But when Adovino gives up that double to Acuna, that's his inning. That's his game. It really is. What else are you going to do with a two-run lead in the eighth inning? You're not taking him out. Who are you going to? Tommy Hunter? Colin Holderman? Seth Lugo? You're not. You're going to trust Adam Adovino, who right now in the circle of trust is number two. And he rewarded us because he got Swanson a ground out. And he was able to get through that eighth inning. And obviously, Edwin Diaz was lights out in the ninth inning. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. As far as this offense is concerned, look, I don't want to bitch about anything because the New York Mets defeated the Atlanta Braves and have created a little bit more wiggle room in this National League East. But this offensive performance, granted, they are missing a lot of guys, and I understand that. They left a lot of scoring opportunities out there. And that's really been the case over the last couple of weeks. But when you get brilliant pitching out of Max Scherzer, when you get brilliant pitching out of Adam Adovino, when you get lockdown effort from Edwin Diaz and you give up one run to this brave lineup, you're able to overcome it. But go back to the first inning, leadoff walk by Brandon Immo, they get nothing out of that. Go to the second inning, double by Luis Guillerme, they get nothing out of that. J.D. Davis is a waste of space. I think we all understand that. He took an 0 for 4. I don't want to see him ever again. I really don't. Stick his ass on the bench. No one needs to see J.D. Davis. And the fact that the Braves are throwing two righties the next few days with Spencer Strider and Charlie Morton, we're not going to see J.D. Davis. We're going to see Dom Smith. Not that we're in such a rush to see Dom, but if there's a preference right now between Dom Smith and J.D. Davis, it's obviously Dom Smith. But they failed to score in the first. They failed to score in the second. And what surprised me, Max Fried's done this before, where Max Fried looks off early in a game and then will settle in. Well, he never settled in. Because Nimmo has that great at-bat in the third inning that led to a double. Lindor can't advance him, which pissed me off. But that was the last bad thing Lindor did all night. So I can't kill him. Because he would go on to have three more hits and play solid defense at shortstop. But in that moment, when Lindor can't move freaking Brandon Nimmo to third base with less than two outs, we're all, we're all a little pissy. Hoff's cursing him out. You were cursing Lindor out. We need to grab all the third base. Uh, I, we curse him out for less than that. Yes, of course. Yes. Of course we curse him out there. <laughs> I mean, at minimum, move the guy to third base. But okay, fine. Pete Alonzo, who's been slumping over the last few weeks, says, don't worry, I got you with that huge RBI double. But even after that, you know, Guillerme hits the double play ball. He barely beats it out at first base. It was a very, very close play. I think it was one of those reviews where if they call Guillerme out on the double play, they're not going to overturn it if the Mets challenge it. I think it was that close. But they steal that second run by the fact that Guillerme is able to barely, barely beat it out. But then in the fourth inning, Max Fried walks Travis Jankowski on four pitches. They get nothing out of it. Fifth inning, walks the leadoff man, walks the third guy in the order. And then you get that fluky Robbie Cano double play that bounces off, I think it was second base. And then Cano turns your traditional four five, six double play, whatever the hell it was. Robbie looked good defensively. I'll give him that. Not only did Cano have two hits, but he played a really strong defensive second base. But think about that. Look at the first five innings against Max Fried. The fact they only walked away with two runs was a massive disappointment. And I think we're all thinking the same thing. As good as Max Scherzer is, as in control as Max Scherzer is, you cannot fail to take advantage of these scoring opportunities. And the Mets did. And it continued even against the bullpen. I mean, really, in the seventh inning against Dylan Lee, runner on first, nobody out, double play. Another base hit, Escobar pops up. So it was frustrating. 
It was frustrating that they weren't able to take advantage of these scoring opportunities. But then our guy, our boy, who was awoken from his slumber, Big G himself, Luis Guillerme, hits the insurance home run in the eighth inning that at least makes you breathe just a tad easily, especially after all the stress of the bottom of the seventh inning when Scherzer gave up the home run to Riley, gives up the two-out double to Ozuna, and then gets through it. Right out of the gate, two pitches into the eighth inning, Guillerme hits that home run, flips the bat, Lindor is physically assaulting Max Scherzer because he's excited, but we're all excited. We all would have physically assaulted each other if we were around each other after Luis Guillerme hit that home run. And what do we get? We get a neat and tidy, comfortable 4-1 to victory over the Atlanta Braves. I don't want to say it's a game they had to have, because as we talked about, you could get swept in this series. It wasn't going to end the Mets season. It was going to end our brain cells for a few days. That's for sure. It was going to cause major panic in Metland. No doubt about that. But it was never going to be end of the world stuff. But to take this opener, especially shorthanded, especially without Starling Marte and without Jeff McNeil, was such a good feeling. And it was almost a reminder about who the 2022 Mets are. Because I think all of us, myself included, need to remind ourselves every once in a while that this team is legitimately good. We do. Because whether it's the feelings of the past or it's the respect that we have for the Atlanta Braves or the injuries that this team is dealing with. McNeil's not an injury, but he's not in the lineup. So I kind of think of it the same way. I think that there's that fear of bad stuff's about to happen. We all have that as Mets fans. And I think throughout this season, the Mets have done a pretty good job of reminding us, hey, we're different. We're not that same Met team. This isn't going to go as badly as you think. It even happened last week against Cincinnati, the final game of that series, a game that felt like just a typical old-school Met loss, and they were able to wake from their slumber and come back. Even against a bad team, it was a necessary win. And let's not forget this about the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves are playing better than just about anybody. I guess the Yankees are on another level, so you push the Yankees to a side. But they were 29-8. and 29-8 in their last 37 games. They have been an elite team for over a month. You saw this lineup that was out there tonight. It's a good lineup. This is a very deep lineup. This is a tough lineup to face. And we know how good their bullpen can be. This is a very, very good Brave team. And I think that's, for me, I'm only speaking for myself here. I know there are a lot of Met fans who still have that Wilpon fear in their mind that bad things are going to happen. The fear I tried to express with Craig on our show on Monday, and the fear I expressed, I think I expressed it, here on Rico Bronia, is not necessarily strictly about the Mets. It's about a respect for a team they're racing with. In 2015, when the New York Mets won the National League East, they were afforded every opportunity to stay in that race until they got hot in August. That team wouldn't have that shot this year. They wouldn't. In 2006, when the Mets had a runaway in the National League East, yes, they were very good, but what helped is that no one was there to challenge them. It's a part of why they had a runaway in 2006. Well, do the math. Look back at that 06 team. Would they be in a pennant race with this Brave team? Yes! There would be no runaway. 
And so that's the difference. And I think we have to remind ourselves that the difference between running away in 2006 and having a chance to eventually run away in 2015 is that we were fortunate. We were fortunate that the division that year, and you never throw this back. I'm not saying we should ever feel bad about it, but the divisions that year sucked. They did. And I think what's unusual for us, and maybe just reminiscent of the late 90s, is that we are battling with a team that's very, very good. And if I had to guess right now where the Atlanta Braves are going to finish, just win total-wise, I'd say it's in the mid to high 90s. That's a big number. And so the New York Mets have to finish with a better record than that or the same record as that. We'll discuss the tiebreakers in a second. Another reason why this game was important. So unlike pennant races of recent past or non-pennant races of recent past in which the Mets have won divisions, the difference is the competition is very, very, very stiff. And this is going to be a battle. This is going to be a long pennant race. That's why... When anyone declares this race over in May, you forgot who we're dealing with. We're dealing with the Atlanta Braves. We're not dealing with the 2015 Nationals who were a non-factor. Or the 2006 Phillies, I think that's the team that finished in second that year, who is a non-factor. This is a very, very good team. Now, I mentioned tiebreakers. I want to bring this up because this is going to be a real pennant race. We got a lot more games to go with the Atlanta Braves, and I think we all need to understand what we're dealing with here which is if the Mets and Braves finish tied and winning the division matters. This isn't 2004, 2005, where winning a division and finishing in the wild card spot really had no difference. Ask Yankee fans if they won the division in 2005 or they won the wild card. Ask Red Sox fans. No one remembers or knows. They actually finished tied that year. They did. They finished with the same record in 2005. And no one knows because there really was no difference between winning the division and winning the wild card. We live in a playoff format that is very, very different. If you win the division, especially with the way things are shaping up with the mediocrity of the Brewers and Cardinals and the NL Central, if you win your division, there's a really good chance you got to buy and you're going right to the divisional series. While if you're in a wild card spot, you're playing a best of three. And I don't give a damn if all three games are at Citi Field, all three games are on Jupiter, all three games are wherever. That's a three-game series, and that stuff's dangerous. And I get it. The Mets would be in a great position in a three-game series because they'd have Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom. Of course. But what if they split the first two games? (laughs) And now game three is started by Chris Bassett. No offense to him. He isn't Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. The point is you don't want to be in that series. I don't want to be in that series. No one wants to be in that series. And that's what you get if you don't win this division. So, yeah, I'm not concerned about the Mets blowing a playoff spot. I haven't been. I'm not concerned that they're going to miss the playoffs. I'm concerned that they're not going to win the division, and winning the division matters. I guess that's a compliment to this playoff format. I've always thought it was important to make the divisions important, and they are. So, if the Mets and Braves finish tied, there ain't no tiebreaker. It's head-to-head. Right now, the New York Mets lead the season series three games to two. Long way to go, but that's another reason why these games matter. If you can win this season series, you at least assure that you can win this division if in, even if you finish with the exact same record. That crap matters. It all matters. Every game is going to matter over the course of the next 14 games that these two teams play against each other. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, I take a look at tomorrow or tonight, depending on when you're listening. We see David Peterson against Spencer Strider. I hate to go back to being negative. I don't feel very good about David Peterson against this lineup. I'm sorry. And then Chris Bassett in the finale against Charlie Morton, who's pitched really, really well. If somehow this Met team can find a way to split the next two games, I think we should be ecstatic. But at the bare minimum, at just the absolute bare minimum, the New York Mets will leave Atlanta Wednesday afternoon in first place in the National League East. One other thing, because I've heard a few people say this. Beningo said this to me not too long ago. He said, bro, if we ever fall out of first place, I get this feeling we'll never see it again. I don't buy that. I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. I understand why that would be a thought. I understand. I think that thought's gone through my mind. I'm not going to tell you it hasn't. Sometimes you watch an NBA game, you're up by 20, and you think to yourself, oh, my God, if we ever give up this lead, we're up. We're, we're, we ain't coming back. But I think we need to brace ourselves for a long pennant race. And pennant races are going to feature ups, and they're going to feature downs. And I, I believe that there is going to be a day, hopefully it's not this anytime soon, where the Mets aren't going to be in first place. I don't know if they're going to be able to complete a wire-to-wire run. But I don't think there's anything about this team that makes me think that once they wake up one morning and they're in second place, they're done. They won't be able to overcome that. I don't buy that at all. I get why people think it. I get it why, why it would go through your head. I'm not scared of that. I don't want to be in second place because I don't want to be in second place. I don't want to be in second place because it means I got to deal with a whole day of Carton telling me my team's in second place. Holtman doesn't want to be in second place because he doesn't want to deal with a whole day of Tierney and Tiki telling him we're in second place. I could deal, I could deal with Tiki, but BT, no. I might as well just, you know, I might call quits after that. He, <laughs> he likes to rib me after the Mets win by like a little sack fly. Like, I think this is unsustainable. Listen, the Mets will make me feel very good if they can go into the All-Star break with the division lead. Trade deadline with the division lead. That'll make me feel comfortable. We're getting well, look, there. honestly, because of this win in the opener, there is no excuse not to. Because when this series is over, they go to Chicago, and the Chicago Cubs stink. Doesn't mean they should win all four games against them. It means they can. The only problem is the Atlanta Braves go to Washington. So... <laughs> They're going to a place where they should pile up on some wins as well. But this isn't going to be easy. 
I think we just have to remind ourselves that. One thing from this broadcast today that really made me laugh, though, real quick, and we'll do a regular Rico Bronya after this series is over, recapping this three-game series against the Braves, but I thought, and Pete will tell you, I texted Hoff in the middle of this game and said, win or lose, let's do an instant reaction. So this isn't us front-running, saying, oh, the Mets won, let's go pop out the mics and have a good time. If the Mets lost this game, and there were moments where I thought, oh, crap, they're going to lose this game, we would have popped these mics on and bitched and cried like babies. It would have happened. But one thing on this broadcast tonight, and I can't believe this happened. (laughs) Gary Cohen asked Keith Hernandez, hey, on Keith Hernandez Day, where were you watching that 10th inning? And Keith goes on to say, well, it was a great crowd. Nobody was leaving early. So I decided to leave early. (laughs) And I got home just in time to watch the 10th inning. It's your day, Keith. It's Keith Hernandez day and you left early. I mean, that is out of the Craig Carton playbook. If I've ever seen it, like, oh, I'm out. Gotta go guys. The only person that left earlier was you. You never made it. Hey, don't get on me. Don't make me feel worse <laughs> than I do. <laughs> What's funny is that I'm watching. I was delayed on the game where we were watching it in Montauk. And then we got in the car to leave and drive back to where we live. And it was the ninth inning. And I said to my wife, look, I'm all for DVRing. I'm all for being delayed by hours and hours before I watch a game. But I can't stop a game in the ninth inning. I can't do that. I just, I need to know what's going to happen. So I somehow got it working on my phone and I was able to watch the last two innings while driving. Uh, Let me clarify. I wasn't watching it while I was driving. I was glancing at it while I was driving. Okay. It was very, very safe. I was very, very safe. Plus, there's a lot of red lights. If you've ever driven back from Montauk, the first like 30 miles, you're driving down a road in which you're going very slow and you're stopping a lot at red lights. Okay, so I got a lot of red red light viewing and I was at a red light on the final play on the comebacker in which Tanner Scott threw it away. That was that was such an insane win. The more you think about it. If the Mets win this division by one game or they win this division by zero games because they finished tied, there are going to be a lot of games we look back on and say, boy, they grabbed that one out of their ass. And I knock on wood when I say this. I'm knocking very hard. This team hasn't had a lot of bad losses. And maybe we got it out of our system in 2019. Maybe that's what it was. 2019 was the year of the bad loss. When I think back to that season, that's all I think about Brutal loss after brutal loss after brutal. They lost a game in San Francisco on a drop fly ball by Dom Smith. Anybody remember that one? They lost a game to the Cardinals over two days when Pete Alonzo was begging them to play through rain. Then they stopped the game. Then they picked it up the next day, and Edwin Diaz was on the mound again to, after blowing a save, blow the game again. Anyone remember that one? The Edwin Diaz special in L.A.? God, that was awful. With that said, Edwin Diaz is a different guy. Oh, my God. It is amazing what Edwin Diaz looks like right now. And the way he talks, too, he's got a swagger. I'm almost really starting to trust Edwin Diaz. I mean, I trust him now, but I mean really trust Edwin Diaz. Give him a lot of credit. That first year here was as bad as it gets. And, you know, 2020 wasn't awful. 2021 was better. And now 2022, we are seeing the absolute best of Edwin Diaz. Diaz. Tomorrow night, if Robinson Cano gets in the lineup, I'd like for David Peterson to drill him, please. Thank you. With that said, 
Thank you for listening to a little instant reaction edition of Rico Bronya. Pete, any final thoughts? Yeah, you can't go anywhere. No, not just yet. Don't, Don't go anywhere. So first of all, while we've been on this podcast, there was a tweet that came out from our GM. That's not our GM. Excuse me. Our owner. Superb effort from Max tonight. Great start to the series against Atlanta. LGM. That's the type of... Listen, this is... This owner knows the pulse of the fan base. This is a huge win for the franchise today. The only thing that would have been better is if Steve said, that's why I brought him here, bitches, for this. That's why I pay him $43 million a year, baby. So they kept doing that on the, on the broadcast where they called him, uh, what was it, um, what was, what was Gary calling Mad Max today? Like Maximilian or something like that? Max, like 43 million? Something like that. They kept a call on that. And by the way, I don't know if you notice this about Edwin Diaz. He has a, he wears a hat or a shirt or something like that. And I looked into the company, what it's called. The clothing company is called October's Very Own. Oh, look at that. Is that a symbol for the playoffs? He's predicting the future. Well, you know what? Edwin Diaz better understand something. You are defined by what you do in October. Because even for us as Met fans, I know that we, we think of that with the Yankees because Armando Benitez was a great closer for the New York Mets in the regular season. He was. There's no denying it. But all we can think about is game one of the 2000 World Series. Uh, the game against the Giants where JT Snow hit a home run. Like, he was bad in the postseason. So, Fred Diaz, you better be October's finest. Because God knows if the Mets are going to get where we want them to go, Edwin Diaz is going to have to be this electric against teams like the Atlanta Braves, the L.A. Dodgers, the Milwaukee Brewers, and whomever else is in his way and our way. But so far, so good. I mean, when you strike out the Braves' heart of the order, bing, 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 that's as good as it gets. But you're right about Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen gets it. Steve Cohen gets all of us. Now, Steve Cohen's got 19 days to use his money as a weapon as this team needs to improve itself before the August 2nd trade deadline. And I have the utmost confidence that he will. Are you feeling confident about the next two games, Pete? Or are you saying, ah, we got our win, whatever? I, I, I feel, unfortunately, I feel like, yeah, we got the win. I would love to see. If, it, if anything, it's going to be the Bassett game because I just don't know. I don't trust Peterson as much as you do. I feel like Bassett has been fantastic against teams that are not from the West Coast. So that's where I'm most confident in. But, again, I need to see something from the offense. And it's nice to win with four runs, but you can't win a lot a lot of games like that. It, it, listen, we got we scraped the run in the last inning. I just don't feel confident with the lineup right now. I don't. We shall see. Peterson against Strider. Charlie Morton against Bassett in the finale. And then the Mets and the Braves will go their merry ways with the Braves taking on the Nats and the Mets taking on the Cubs. You can listen to Pete with Tiki and Tierney Middays on the Fan. I'll be with Craig 2 o'clock Monday through Friday. We'll talk to you next time on Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 